Psalm chapter 36, verse 1. In this song, King David is going to contrast the ways of an evil man with the ways of the Lord. The beginning of the song is going to talk about how evil people live, and the end of the song is going to talk about the goodness of the Lord. Verse 1, To the Overseer, by a Servant of Jehovah, by David. The transgression of the wicked is affirming within my heart. Fear of God is not before his eyes. This is written for the director of music by King David, and he calls himself a servant of the Lord. And he says that wicked people do not fear the Lord. Fearing the Lord is what causes us to obey him, so wicked people do not obey the Lord. People think that they're serving God because they're serving their church, but in reality they're not serving God at all. We can only serve the Lord by obeying Him, and a lot of people practice sin, but they also volunteer at church at the same time. They're really not servants of the Lord, and they aren't doing themselves any spiritual good. King David didn't pride himself in any outward practice that was religious. What he had comfort in was that he obeyed the commandments of God. 2. For he made it smooth to himself in his eyes. This means that the wicked man is arrogant, and he thinks that he's really great. To find his iniquity to be hated. Even when the sins of the wicked man are exposed, he still has hate in his heart. 3. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. Whatever the wicked man says, will lead others to sin, or it is sin, because he might be telling a lie or telling a perverse joke. His own speech is sinful. He could also be swearing. And it says that what comes out of his mouth is deceit. The wicked man is a liar. People use lies to manipulate other people to get what they want and to take advantage of other people. He ceased to act prudently. Prudence is sound decision-making. The wicked man is not good at making decisions. It says he ceased to act prudently to do good. He does not make good decisions to do what is right. The wicked man might, for instance, want go drinking or go out fornicating or gambling, or he might want to tell a lie or manipulate somebody. He might take advantage of somebody in a business deal. All of that stuff is not prudent because it doesn't help his soul and it doesn't help anybody else either. And it can lead both him and others into the path of destruction. For iniquity he deviseth on his bed. Even when the wicked man is laying down at night, he thinks about wicked things that he can do. It could be sexual perversion or it could be that he's plotting to harm somebody else or he's plotting to do a bad business scheme, or whatever evil thing he's coming up with. He could also be thinking of a lie that he will say about somebody, or gossip that will harm somebody and elevate his status. King David made it a practice to meditate on the Lord at night and pray and sing praises to the Lord when he laid on his bed. And he talks about this in other songs. He would actually think about the laws of the Lord on his bed at night before he went to sleep. Nighttime is an excellent time for prayer and reading the Bible and meditating on what the Bible says. The one time that David fell into sin, it was at nighttime when he was not following his normal 
schedule of prayer and meditation. It was when he deviated from that practice and he went out and took a walk. Because he deviated from the practice of thinking about the Lord at night, he ended up committing adultery, and then that led to worse things. And then it says, He stationeth himself on a way not good, evil he doth not refuse. The wicked man will say yes to anything, no matter how bad it is. He'll say yes to adultery, yes to fornication, yes to drinking, yes to telling lies, yes to harming somebody on the job. So he stands in the path of wickedness. He'll stand in the alleyway where he could meet a prostitute. He'll place himself in situations at work where he can do no good. Then, when the opportunity arises, which it will in those situations, he takes that opportunity to practice sin. The wicked man is ultimately an opportunist, and this goes for the wicked woman as well. They are opportunists. They're always ready to take advantage of a situation, take advantage of a person. They're always ready to receive a bribe or something that they shouldn't be receiving. And they're always ready to cover up somebody else's sin in exchange for them covering up their sin. These are the ways of the wicked. And these are the kind of people who you can never trust. Now the song is going to turn and talk about the Lord. 5. O Jehovah, in the heavens is thy kindness, thy faithfulness is unto the clouds. This is a beautiful line in the Bible. And what it means is the entire atmosphere is necessary to contain all of the kindness of the Lord. From earth to space, that's how much kindness the Lord has. 6. Thy righteousness is as mountains of God. Thy judgments are a great deep. Man and beast thou savest, O Jehovah. For people, he'll save everybody who repents, but the animals he's going to save as well. They don't have to repent of their sins because they don't commit sins. They're innocent. They don't have spirits. They don't know right from wrong. But when we get to heaven, we're going to see animals. They're going to be up there too. This beautiful imagery is continuing. In the last verse, he said that it would take the entire atmosphere to fill up the kindness of the Lord. And now he's saying it would take all of the mountains to contain the righteousness of the Lord and all of the ocean to contain the judgments of the Lord. Judgment is when the weak are vindicated and they get justice when people harm them. The judgments of the Lord are astounding. Whenever a weak person is taken advantage of or harmed in any way, God keeps a record of that in heaven, and he will get justice for that person. It may not be right away. It might be a long time ahead, but that person will get justice. 7. How precious is thy kindness, O God, and the sons of men in the shadow of thy wings do trust. This is more beautiful imagery of a bird putting its wing over its young, and that's how the Lord protects us, just as if we are under his wing. And his kindness is so precious. His kindness is in everything from a beautiful little butterfly that passes before your face when you're outside, all the way to an astounding miracle when you get healed of a disease, or your own sins being forgiven. His kindness is shown to us in so many ways. 8. They are filled from the fatness of thy house, and the stream of thy delights thou dost cause them to drink. All of our sustenance and all of our water and everything that we need comes from the Lord. 
rain falls from the sky and then you have water in the river and then you have water to drink. It's an amazing way that we get water. A little tiny seed that's absolutely nothing grows into a huge plant that we can eat. God is constantly making something out of nothing in order to sustain us. And that's why King David makes this imagery that it must be coming from a storehouse, because it seems like it comes from nowhere. 9. For with thee is a fountain of life. In thy light we see light. All light comes from the Lord, and that's how we see light. Jesus is the light of the world, and Jesus is the river of life, or this fountain of life that this verse is talking about. This verse is a direct allusion to Jesus Christ, our Savior. And in the Bible, the Lord is called life, living waters, and light all the time. 10. Draw out thy kindness to those knowing thee. It means dole out to us your kindness to those who obey you. You can't know the Lord unless you obey him. And this imagery is of somebody who's dipping a cup in a water bucket and then giving the cup for people to drink, drawing out his kindness to those who obey him. Jesus said, you cannot be my friend unless you obey my commands. And he says, you cannot know me unless you obey my commands. There's a lot of people who go to church and they volunteer for activities, but they don't take the time to obey the commands of the Lord. So even though they're active in church, they don't know Jesus. The only way to know him is to obey him. There's other people who are totally unknown. They never went to Bible college They were never ordained, but they obey the Lord on a daily basis, and they do know the Lord. And thy righteousness to the upright of heart. He says, portion out your righteousness to the upright of heart. For those who obey you, give them more of your righteousness, making them more like you. 11. Let not a foot of pride meet me, and a hand of the wicked let not move me. There's two ways you can read this. It sounds like King David is saying, don't let anyone who's prideful or wicked overtake me. That is a good way to read it. But it could also say, don't let me become prideful or wicked. Keep me loving you and obeying you. That could be a plea from King David to the Lord, asking the Lord to keep him humble. And the best way for the Lord to keep us humble is to let adversity into our lives. That's why the Lord does allow adversity into our lives, so that we'll know how much we desperately need him, and we're not self-made, and we're not on top of the world, and we don't have it all together. And that way, we stay humble. So we do need to accept adversity and lean on him 100% for all of our needs and all of our deliverance. 12. There have workers of iniquity fallen. They have been overthrown and have not been able to arise. Those who practice sin and won't repent, they will fall eternally into hell and damnation, and they won't be able to ever come out of it once they fall into eternity in hell. We only have this lifetime to repent. But he says, they will be overthrown those who practice sin and don't repent. You'll notice in both the Old and the New Testament, workers of iniquity or sinners, as some translations put it, are always in the present tense, never the past. And that's because everybody has sinned. So when the Bible is talking about sinners, it isn't talking about everybody. It's only talking about those who presently 
continue to sin and are not repentant. This is a very crucial thing that we have to understand in order to understand the gospel. A lot of churches falsely teach that we're all sinners, but not according to scripture. According to scripture, everyone has sinned, but a practicing sinner is somebody who has not repented. In scripture, those who obey the Lord are not the same as those who are called sinners, because it only calls sinners those who have never repented, but we have all sinned. When it calls people sinners, it doesn't mean that they're the only ones who ever sinned. That is not what it means. It means that they're the only ones who never repented of their sin. And we have to understand that in both the Old and the New Testament. King David doesn't call himself a worker of iniquity. He has sinned many times, but he is not a worker of iniquity because he repented. And I am not considered a sinner according to the New Testament because I have repented, but I have sinned. The New Testament says nobody is without sin. We are all with sin because we all have sinned, but the people it calls sinners are the ones who continue sinning and won't repent. This is a very crucial concept because in today's churches, they teach that sinners get saved, but the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that sinners, which means practicing sinners, go to hell. They do not get saved. You have to repent to get saved, but the churches today are all teaching that you can have a sinful lifestyle and still be saved. It's not in the Bible. We'll get more into this when we get to the New Testament, but you must understand that the word sinners in both Old and New Testament is always present tense and is never talking about everybody. Never. And that's why in the parables that Jesus told, when he casts people into hell on final judgment, he always calls them sinners. But we all know that everybody has sinned. But he only calls sinners those who never repented. And that concludes Psalm chapter 36.